How are you? Oh, pretty good. You doing well today? Yeah, doing well. It's been a busy day. People are gearing up for the SEMA show as well. Are you go? Do you go to SEMA? I have tried for many years to go, and I've just never put it together. I've got a friend who's taking uh, his RX-7, is going to be in the, um, I can't remember which clutch company he's going to have his RX-7 in, and one of the co-hosts I used to have on this show I went to college with, this is the first time in nine years he's not going to have at least one car. He's always had multiple cars. I think he had to take a year off. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a builder, but I've had, I don't know, uh, one, two, three, four, maybe four cars there. We had a car last year. So we're not taking a car this year. And I was just talking to one of our sponsors. I was just on the phone with Magnaflow Exhaust, you know, telling them that, um, you know, it's it's kind of nice to not bring a car this year and to spend a little bit more time with meeting people and stuff. But Oh, I'm definitely familiar with with that when I was with I don't you don't know any of my history I assume but I was with the Barber Vintage Motorsports Museum for 12 13 years until I finally just decided to step away I'd done car restoration for 25 years and I just needed to get away from it and it was interesting because I moved to Alabama for the job and then after I left the job to be able to go to an event and not have to work and enjoy the event you know People used to go, oh, it must yeah. be great. You get to see all this racing. And, you know, I was there. We had 10 uh, IndyCar races, and I think I saw like six laps. You know, it's just you're always, yeah, right. always distracted. The gloves are off. Welcome to the Authority in Car Talk. No driving. From exotics to hot rods to I'll get to it someday. Experience, knowledge, and controversy all ride in the same seat. Buckle up and hang on for the ride. Now for your host of No Driving Gloves, John Viviani. Say, it's been a couple of months since No Driving Gloves has done some interviews, and we're starting to get back into our interviews. We always enjoy reaching out to various car people and i'm going to say i've kind of chased this guest for a little bit of time years ago i met a, a gentleman named nate adams uh, when i was with the museum he came to the museum i showed him around we've we had nate on the podcast uh probably back in 2019 2020 and eventually reached you know reached out to him and we've chatted a few times i don't know how when the last time i conversed with Nate isn't but I had him put me in touch with uh, Matt DeAndrea met Matt briefly at Rotolana one year he had about three and a half seconds to deal with a pesky little fan finally I've got him secured on the podcast I've talked to him and invited him a couple of times but I never wanted to waste his time because I don't want to go Matt how'd you get into cars Matt how was it you know how did you meet Adam do you want me to give a quick little synopsis of your bio and you correct me, or do you want to give me a quick little bio? I, no more than like 30 seconds. Uh, yeah, listen, I, I, I appreciate you inviting me on your show, and I, I am curious of what the bio says because I don't know if I had one written. So go ahead and give it a shot. And let's see if it's still. Well, there. I just kind of threw together a bio, researching you, okay. 
interesting because uh, on your podcast, you always say, you know, moderator, moderator. And sometimes your moderator, your moderator website's a little dated. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't done anything with it. <laughs> but your Instagram yeah. and that seems to stay fairly current. You were in IT. You owned an IT company from a very early age, from what I gather, like maybe even your late teens, early 20s, when most of us are, in my case, drinking and partying. Some of us went to college at that point. And then you kind of graduated from that to become an automotive influencer. You stumbled into a friendship with Adam Carolla, which puts you on to a 15-year career of doing co-hosting a podcast with him called CarCast. And somehow that podcast has went on to be three different podcasts. We have, I call it, Matt DeAndreas CarCast with Adam Carolla or with Bill Goldberg or with Edmonds and Alex Reweaver. So, and it's when, when it first came out, it was a very interesting thing and I said I don't know if I like them all under the same umbrella but you tie them all together and it makes it a really interesting three totally different outlooks and thoughts on cars for, to but moderated by the same guy and I've listened to your your independent podcast Shift and Steer for years and years um, even, you know, right now it's Brad Fanshaw uh, with uh, Bond Speed Wheels and formerly uh, Boyd's Hot Rods and uh, Aaron Hagar, uh, Rat Runner's Garage, I believe it is. And he kind of has a famous Ferrari collector of a father. And then it, you started that show with uh, Pete uh, Shaporis uh, of uh, SoCal Speed Shop. And unfortunately, when he passed away. But you guys got it back together, and you've continued it on more in his honor and made it your own show. Kind of went on from that to producing a few movies. Now you're into the hard seltzer business. So I don't know how you follow your career family tree, but is that kind of right? <laughs> I think you're pretty much you're pretty much spot on. Yeah, from uh, from from starting as a as a kid in the tech space, uh, running a web development company, to getting into entertainment specifically automotive entertainment yeah and i've uh, been working with adam carolla for uh, yeah just about 15 years maybe 14 and a half years something like that um uh, did car cast with him expanded to car cast with goldberg because he's a different kind of car guy it's kind of a different thought process as is how that show goes and then just recently well adam's a japanese car guy right and goldberg is all American Dodge and Goldberg definitely loves uh, the muscle car side of thing. Um, and as as a actual muscle guy, <laughs> it makes it makes the most sense. Um, Adam has always had a love affair with the Japanese cars and European cars. Um, there's definitely some some muscle cars that he likes, but there was just sort of something missing uh, a finesse. I think he would say that he liked with with the Japanese and European cars that the most cars didn't really have. But Adam's collection has changed over the years. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to be able to be with him most of the time and help curate that collection. And when we met, he had quite a few street cars and some pretty interesting things in the collection, but he never really drove them. He just didn't like to drive around in in a flashy car like that. And then he got a shot at doing a little bit of vintage racing 
in a Bob Sharp 610, I think might have been the first car. I'd have to double check with him if that was the first one that he raced or not. And he liked it. And he saw, saw that as an opportunity to drive the cars that he could collect without having them just out on the street. And that's when the, the collection started to take a turn. Like over the last decade and a half, we've, we've turned that streetcar collection almost exclusively into a racing car collection. Um, and then Adam's interest in Paul Newman started with a couple of racing cars that he bought, started putting together the feature film documentary, winning the racing life of Paul Newman. And then from there led to a few more cars and some memorabilia and so, some stuff like that. So, yeah, I would say of his, I don't know, maybe 35 or so cars, most of them are racing cars. And there are 13 Paul Newman cars in that collection. And your collection is, I'm going to say, a little bit even different than Goldberg's and Adam's in that you're kind of a ford fox body mustang guy but you, you... yeah the reason why is because um i don't have any money and they do <laughs> and so my collection is a result of buying the cheapest stuff possible for the most part but i have a 95 ford lightning that we kind of built up a little bit for the sema show in 2019 um, and that's going through an overhaul i'm building a new engine and stuff for that which you know i gotta kind of do myself i have a a 93 Mustang Cobra, which also I bought when they were cheap. They were basically giving those cars away. Um, uh, and I bought that car and built that for SEMA for, I think that was there in 2016, um, before the Lightning. And now I'm going through and redoing a few things on that. Uh, I have a 2021 Mustang Mach 1 that was at SEMA last year. That one's a little bit easier, right? Because it's just a lot of bolt-on stuff, not a lot of customization. That one has the uh, the first emissions legal twin turbo kit on it from Hellion Turbo, which they, they passed uh, all the emissions testing through SEMA Garage. We're very proud of that. Uh, so you can get a twin turbo kit for your for your five liter Mustang. Uh, manual transmission, full carbon fiber from Anderson Composites, HRE wheels, big audio system. And we did some custom things on the hood. It's got the Anderson Composites prototype hood with the hood scoop that's a little bit reminiscent of of the Mach 1 back in the day. Uh, so I have that car. And then I have a 1992 SAC Mustang. It's the Shelby American Automobile Club, S-A-A-C. Before the Cobra came out, uh, the SAC car came out, and but it was twice as much money. So it was kind of a kind of an odd thing. But uh, but I have that and it's all original. It's got 3,600 miles on it. And there's number 50 of maybe 62 built. And your your Lightning's like a 94, 95. So it's the original yeah, squ square body Ford yeah. Lightning. Yeah. And then, of course, you also are venturing into the electric realm with the new Lightning. I do. I have a 2022 Ford Lightning. And uh, now that I realize that I have such an expensive truck um it kind of makes me think what am i what am i doing with my life so i might need to sell that at some point but it's actually really fun to drive people ask all the time like what is it like the f-150 platinum is a really nice truck it's pretty much the nicest pickup truck you can buy mine just happens to be fast and quiet uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> that's it I had a F-150 Platinum a few years back and that probably ranks right up there with 
the most expensive car I've ever owned with, you know, and I've had my fair share of Lotus and Porsche and that over the years. And it's still the pickup truck was the most expensive and also really the most comfortable. <laughs> to, yeah, yeah. I was going to ask, and it's kind of down my outline a little bit, but since I did bring up your Ford Lightning and you're in the performance realm, our former co-host, Will Posey, with Big Oak Garage and that, he always had this thought process early on about doing an electric hot rod. And obviously everybody's doing electric street rods and hot rods now. What's your feeling on the aftermarket with electric vehicles and performance? Because, I mean, they're already coming out faster than humans can react. I mean, when we're sub two seconds to 60 miles an hour and sub, you know, two and a half seconds to 100, that's quicker than you can move your foot, you know, from the throttle to the breakers. Yeah. Do you have an opinion on where you might think the aftermarket's going as somebody who is definitely in that realm in California in the, you know, electricity. And I heard your recent conversation on gas prices and California. So that's an interesting question. We've been looking at this for a couple of years now, obviously, because it's getting so much media attention. For example, every year when I go to the SEMA show, I see more and more companies popping up that are getting involved in some sort of EV platform, whether they're producing a motor or an ECU or or something along those lines. Um, so I'm seeing those companies pop up. The conversions and stuff to make uh, an older vehicle a modern-day EV is still really expensive. And I don't know if it makes the most sense to do it yet. It's, it's cool for a SEMA booth car because it's interesting and it's a challenge for the builders and it gets some attention, but it it's not really like mainstream enough. I mean, certainly you think of all the engine swaps, LS swaps and Coyote engine swaps that are happening out there versus EV swaps. The EV swaps, you can probably count on just two hands versus you would need an entire book of numbers for the actual engine swaps. So I think it's very expensive. And when I walk around a show like SEMA and talk to a lot of the people there, the general consensus is it's not that interesting. They can kind of do without it. So it's interesting to see how much media attention EVs are getting because it's the new thing in the new car world. I just don't know that it's resonating with the automotive aftermarket. And it's not to say that it won't, and it might some time and the technology would probably have to improve and the prices would have to come way down. But for me right now, I I don't mind owning a new electric vehicle. I don't have any plans to take any of my older vehicles and convert them to EV. It just doesn't make sense for me. I was going more, say, take your Lightning. What could you do to it or what would you want to do to it? Or what do, is there even any talk of a different chipset so it's a little bit quicker? Or is all EV tuning going to be range or are we going to go back to the 80s where we're going to end up doing body kits and wheels? Here in LA, where we have quite a few EVs, like modern day EVs, Teslas and the trucks and stuff, uh, you do see quite a, a few, not a lot, but you do see probably more than most areas. I'm seeing uh, Teslas on airbags. I'm seeing dropped cars. I'm seeing carbon fiber body kits. 
I'm seeing some definite some customization, certainly wraps. So cosmetically on the EVs that are out there, for sure, I'm seeing that all the time. Every day you'll you'll see one out here. I don't know that there's more of much of a of a performance swap other than just like the cosmetic side of it. I remember a couple of years ago, Steve Celine wanted to introduce a Celine Tesla. I forgot what he called it, the Celine GTX or something. And when I spoke to him about it, he was on one of my podcasts um, uh, when he created it, was the only way they can change the performance of that car was gear ratio. They were able to multiply the torque a little bit more, just like swapping a rear end gear. So you guys know what that would do to a car. So I imagine that limited some range and I don't know if it screwed up the car at all, but uh, he, he drove it around for a while and I think he still has it somewhere where he did sort of a gear swap. On the modern day cars, I've been talking to some of the aftermarket companies, even about my, my Lightning, you know, guys are raising them, guys are lowering them, uh, you know, certainly changing the wheels and stuff on it. And there has to be some sort of calibration or something going on when you, if you change wheel size and, and whatnot. But for the most part, I'm not seeing much in the way of performance modifications. It's all pretty much cosmetic. Yeah, that's kind of where, what I was thinking on it. But you know, I'm in Alabama and there's plenty of Teslas and Rivians and uh, one of my Unfortunately, he passed away about a year ago. One of my friends had one of the first, first electric Hummers. And so we do get our electric vehicles here, but just the fact they're electric is kind of the the big thing. Not saying Alabama is very backwards with cars. I was amazed at the cars that are in this state when I moved here. You know, it's, it's, it gave it an interesting thought was I spoke to one of the engineers at Honda and I said, hey, you've got this cool car, this Acura NSX, and it's hybrid. That car in the past, the non-hybrid version was modified quite often. People love to, to wrench on that car. And I said, how would that work on the modern day version? I said, if we modify the gas engine to create more power, how does the hybrid driveline figure it out? And uh, he said, the way that car is programmed to the best of his knowledge, the EV system adapts to it. So if you create more power and the gas engine is more powerful, the EV side of it tries to keep up with it. Uh, and so it kind of self-tunes the EV side to match that. Now that's just on a hybrid. Uh, I don't I don't know if, if it was a straight up EV. If it was a straight up EV, I personally, I wouldn't mess with it. I think the cars are a little too finicky and there's a lot of warranty issues that even if I lowered my my lightning or change the wheels, I would make sure I'd go to the same wheel size and probably even use the same tire on that car and just change the look. I can understand that completely. I reached out to you or got your contact information through Nate, and that's on the movie yeah. side of the business that you deal with. You've been part of winning the racing life of Paul Newman, I believe you participated in the 24-hour war, which is Ford versus Ferrari. The really in-depth true story, not the other movie that was out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Shelby American. Um, I, were, I assume you were on that one. And uh, the Willie T. Ribs movie. And actually, <laughs> thanks again, Nate. We had Willie T. Ribs on the show a few years back, right at the very beginning of, I believe it's SRX Racing. And he was looking to get into that. And and you guys have some 
other documentaries coming up. Do you like? Do you produce? Do you research? Do you? Continue? Yeah. So I, I'm I'm not as involved with that. Um, I I did some work on on the uh, the Paul Newman film, and then Nate has really been leading the charge. Uh, he is part of the production company that Adam Carolla owns called Chassis Media. And it's C-H-A-S-S-Y. Yeah, Nate's put together um, the 24-hour war. As you said, it's the Ford v. Ferrari version of it. It's a documentary version. And honestly, both films are great. Both films we're fans of. But if you see the Matt Damon, Christian Bale film, I think you want to really go see the documentary as well. And you can kind of compare the, the Hollywood version to what we feel like is the more accurate actual story. And that takes a lot of work and a lot of research with uh, you know the interviews that are in that film and the people you reach out to and that kind of led to the shelby american as well there was such a, a significant shelby portion about ford versus ferrari that in our film the 24-hour war i don't know there's maybe 10 minutes about shelby but then we did an entire shelby film uh, Shelby American to focus more on that. Willie T. Ribs is fantastic. I love Willie. We were just messaging the other day. I think his story is fantastic. Being the first um, black driver to qualify for the Indy 500 and just a character overall. If you had him on the show, then you'll know for sure. Uh, he's very enthusiastic and he's entertaining and he's just a just a, a good dude all around. He was a very fun guest and he, you know, he was one that was tough to prep for. Willie's going to tell you what it is, and you've got to worry about some of his answers sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he uh, he he's unfiltered by by all means. You know, but coming up, we have Bobby Ray Hall documentary that's in the works, and I believe the next film to be released is going to be a Dan Gurney documentary, and we're excited about that because we had had the chance to work with Gurney and get him interviewed for some of the previous films. And then Adam Carolla went down himself to speak with Gurney on camera. And I think uh, Adam has the last filmed interview with Gurney ever before he passed away. And we were able to use that in a few of our films, but really in this, this Gurney doc that I haven't even fully seen it yet. They're still working on it, but it's gonna be, it's gonna be fantastic. Say so Gurney and my old boss, um, George Barber, fairly good friends and the the barber museum has the uh dan gurney uh lotus 29 that he raced in at indy and we've they've got one of the actually they've got the prototype gurney alligator and uh the mm -hmm. the actual alligator which are recumbent motorcycles and they've got a lotus i think it's a is it 29 they 28. I get all my numbers confused. I think it might be a 28. It's one of the sports cars. It's actually a Gurney one. And I had an opportunity to meet Dan Gurney once or twice. Yeah. Very funny fella. Uh, we had interesting dinner to be at because I believe it was Alan DeCantney interviewing John Surtees. Okay. And either way, that's a great dinner to be at. <laughs> Mr. Barber flew Gurney in in secret and placed him in the dinner. So when they went to a Q&A, Gurney stood up and asked him about a controversial instant, instance on track. And it just kind of caught everybody off guard. And just one of those little moments in time that you have to be there. And yeah. to see these old drivers or retired drivers laughing and joking 50 years after the fact. One of those side enjoyable stories. 
people always ask me, yeah. what's the you know most exciting thing you've ever done? And I go, eh, I don't know. It's just a day at work. And it's every now and then you remember a little story like that. But Gurney was a great guy. And you know, he was, I can't remember the last time he was at the museum. Might have been 12 or 13, a year or two before he passed. But they were good friends. And Lotus Sports Cars got the Gurney for President bumper sticker on it. And Mr. Barber had a big mm-hmm. banner made that says Gurney for President a few years back. And it hangs in the museum because, like I said, they were friends. And Mr. Barber looked up to Dan Gurney. He he was a amateur racer in the 60s until he had to take over his father's business and become a billionaire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it must be nice. <laughs> you did your IT thing, and it's weird, a number of people that started in IT. You did your car thing. Now you're in a drink company. Well, it, yes. I mean, and I actually do spend a lot of time on that, running the business. But it was it was a project that I helped some other people get into the beverage industry, and it was interesting to me. And I thought there was an opportunity there. So I created a hard seltzer. Uh, Goldberg is my partner on it. And, and of course, we do a podcast, you know, every week and been friends for a long time. Well, I was going to ask you about that right after this. So I guess we'll tie it all in. Yeah, <laughs> I do a version of CarCast with Goldberg and he's really focused on the automotive stuff and some of his investments. And he's retired as a as a WWE wrestler. Um, so when I approached him with this project, he thought it'd be kind of interesting. Back me, you know, 100 percent. So, yeah, it's called Bravago. The website is drinkbravago.com, and we have a, a fantastic hard seltzer, and then um, soon some new products. I'm, I'm looking at uh, a CBD seltzer that we really want to produce. With working guys like Goldberg, the CBD seltzer would have no alcohol and no THC. It's a great post-workout drink, anti-inflammatory, helps relax the mind and body, but anyone that's even a professionally athlete, this wouldn't be anything that would trigger any tests there's it's completely clean it's a it's a great fantastic product and it tastes great which was kind of the whole point it's just getting the flavor right getting uh, something that we think was going to be good so yeah and listen we we tie it into the car world we've got some some backing from some amazing people the shelby family has been uh, helping us quite a bit they've supported the company um craig and carolyn jackson own bear jackson auctions they're involved with this as well so we're very excited about it it just seemed to be an interesting business to even venture into is, you know, the hard seltzer business and the new product that you were talking about is interesting. And normally I'd have my doubts, but I've been drinking kind of an energy drink or whatever, but it says it promotes metabolism and some things. And I don't know if it was that I changed my diet and I started drinking this stuff at the same time. And in the last like six, seven weeks, I've dropped about 12, 13 pounds. So okay, <laughs> can't wait to try that. I did order some Bravago. I was amazed that you, like I told you before the show and maybe even in the email, that I was amazed you can ship it into Alabama because I had just I'd heard you advertise it a lot and talk yeah. about it on the podcast. And I just always dismissed it because... Mike Rowe can't ship his whiskey into Alabama. You know, nobody can ship anything into the state. You got to twist somebody's arm and pay off the UPS man to get a bottle of wine. Hopefully I didn't destroy it, but I got my bravado. No, no, no. (laughs) There's certainly a lot of rules around it for beverages, especially alcohol. And everybody's, every state's got their own rules. And um, not to, you know, make it 
too technical, but it has to do with uh, what type of alcohol is your base, like a spirit base or a malt base or whatever, and then how much uh, alcohol, the ABV that's in there. And we work with a retail partner that fulfills our online orders. But yeah, we can we can sell it online off of our website. And we can ship it to 38 states. That's what I was thinking. You, you've got just about, you've got a lot of them covered. Uh, when I travel, my kind of real day job is I, I'm an auditor for a tech company. And part of my territory is Tennessee. And when I go to Tennessee, they sell a uh, hard Mountain Dew and a hard Monster Energy drink yeah. that I've been picking up. But it's not available in Alabama. They can't get it here. You're right up there with them. You know, I, I'll be honest. Anything that ever said hard seltzer, I avoided like the plague. But it's going to have yeah. you on the show. And I've got to know the product that we're promoting and talking about. I figured I'd go ahead and order some. Actually, it was pretty good. Now I've got to figure out how to order a little bit more and make it a little bit more economical because I ordered a small amount. Like anything we buy online, uh, shipping gets pretty expensive. My thing is, is we're, we're trying to get it out to, obviously we want to get into stores and that's a long process, but we just want people to taste the product. And if people like the taste, if you go to the website and you order it, um, if you order a case, which is four, just four six packs, you will, it ships for free. So if people do like the product, you order a case at a time and you just pay the normal retail price and whatever the tax is and it ships for free. And that's, that's the most economical way to do it for sure. And like you said, you do have a couple of other interesting little things on the website and you're going to expand that product line. So I'll pay attention to that. And I'm sure we'll hear about it on Matt DeAndrea's car cast. Sorry, Adam. But <laughs> yeah, well, because we do quite a few of them. Is Adam on break? He hasn't been around in the last few weeks, or yeah. is it? I, yeah, I know he's, he's had a lot of personal things and that, but um, uh, he's he's got his hands full, and so a number of the podcasts he sort of the, took a hiatus on, so he can focus on the main show, like the Adam Carolla show. You know, listen, I, I was on the phone with him this morning. We uh, dressed up in Monterey recently for Monterey Car Week. Um, you know, we were at dinner the other night. So there's a, there's a lot that we have going on. And, and every time we chat, there's always a car conversation happening. Yeah, you so, guys were uh, just at Ren Sport, if I remember right, and things like that. Yeah, it's a, a Ren Sport's a great event. Well, we had a car up there on display. That, that, that little red one that he's got. Nobody knows Yeah, the about. little red one. <laughs> so tell me about the, if we're not going too long, you yell when we've gone too long, but your podcast with Goldberg. I mean, you guys started it when he lived just a few hours from you and he's relocated to Texas and built this spectacular ranch for his wife and this spectacular garage for himself. And yes, he's, yes. he's got his new YouTube channel. We'll promote for him too, but right. So CarCast I've been doing with Adam for a long time and, you know, Adam likes like we said, the Japanese cars, some of the European cars, vintage racing and the car collection world. Our show has a lot to do with that kind of stuff. And I thought we can expand the show a little bit with some, some different kind of content. Uh, about four years ago, I launched a second weekly episode of CarCast with Goldberg. And you'll see there's, there's some lifestyle stuff in there as well. I mean, we talked about fitness, we talked about wrestling, we've talked about some things like that, but he's a big muscle car guy. And some of the modern muscle, like the cars that I have, the twin turbo Mustang and what he's been doing on his cars, that show allows us to 
to have a chat a little bit about like what's going on in the new car world, to talk about the muscle cars and talk about our project cars that we really kind of enjoy and focus on things like uh, the automotive aftermarket. I can lean into that a little bit more because I'm such a huge fan of the performance aftermarket world. So that show is a little different than what we do with Adam. And then now just recently, we're, we're testing out a partnership between CarCast and Edmunds.com. Edmunds is, is very focused on vehicle testing and new car sales. So uh, their editor-in-chief, Alistair Weaver, he and I are doing a, a third version now of CarCast called the CarCast and Edmunds uh, podcast. And yeah, we get into some of the vehicle testing, what we think is new out there. And it's kind of really at the cutting edge of, of the new car world. Those guys get access that uh, most people don't get access to, not to mention they have the resources to fly around the world and attend some of the coolest events. I just sat down with um, with Alistair this past week, and then as soon as we were done, I think he was heading to Barcelona to test, to drive the Volvo EX30, uh, their new fully electric plug-in uh, car. And I was like, well, that it's amazing, but he gets to go to Barcelona and do that, where I get to sit in my warehouse at home and wait for him to come back and tell me about it. So yeah, those are, those are the, the versions of CarCast. And like the beauty of it is, is, is you can subscribe to CarCast, you can get all of those shows, and you can listen to the ones you want, you can skip over the ones you don't want. It's super easy to do. That's the beauty of podcasting. I was against it in the beginning. It's come out great. I've always liked the Edmonds special episodes. He was, you know, once every couple of weeks or once a month for a while, and now he's regular. And, you know, the fact Edmonds buys all of the cars they test really and yeah. they own it so they can say what they want. His journey with his Rivian, with his family and charging stations seemed to be a lot different than, uh, well, how do I want to say Chris Farley? But no, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, Jim uh, Farley, Farley from the, Farley from Ford. Yeah, so Jim, Jim Farley, the CEO of Ford, he he did a road trip uh, all through California, pretty much in a Ford Lightning, and um, he actually had some similar experiences. When I sat down and interviewed him, he was he was talking about charging anxiety. It's not really range anxiety as much as charging yeah, I really anxiety. like and that term, and that's come up several times. I. I know he brought it up and I know um, uh, guys that are really in the space too, like Matt Farah, who's, who's such a good guy. He's he's used that term as well. It, I think it's starting to resonate with, with people, but. I'm not sure Matt was using it until Jim used it on his show. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't say for sure, uh, but I'm, I'm hearing it more and more. And I think that's it because that's even what I'm, again, I'm in Alabama. We don't have charging stations every two or three blocks and. I've just I've always liked the electric vehicle and I've come close to buying a couple of hybrids, but it's just it's just not right for the state I'm in. Like I said, it's a good thing to hear and it's a good thing to see th this stuff getting out there and maybe people realizing. Derek, who's my normal co-host on this show, he and I just recently talked about our friend David did a race back in 2013 with his 1913 Model T versus a 19 or a 2013 Model S mm -hmm. from Detroit to New York. And wow. the only reason David did not physically win is his, believe it or not, generator went out on his Model T. So he okay. had an electrical failure that caused him to lose the race to the Model S. But that was pre, you know, Tesla superchargers every 16 miles or whatever. Yeah. It's great to talk with you. Do you have anything coming around the corner? No, another car cast you're going to sneak? Out? Well, before I do that, I got to I got to ask you about 
Brad and Aaron and shift and steer. We got to touch uh, touch on the podcast that is yours. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Well, there's another podcast. Yes, there's a fourth podcast called Shift and Steer that is uh, myself with Brad Fanshaw, who owns Bond Speed Wheels. And, and you pointed out he was the, the president of Boyd Coddington Garage for a long time. And we host with Aaron Hagar, who is uh, Sammy Hagar's son from, from Van Halen, you know, Chicken Foot in the Circle and so many other bands. He's got an interesting perspective on cars. He's got a lot of very artistic things in his garage, Rat Runner's garage. He's really into overlanding. Brad has got the hot rod scene, but we really kind of started that podcast years ago because we wanted to kind of get the stories from Pete Shaporis, who uh, ran uh, so SoCal Speed Shop for so long. You know, and and Pete passed away uh, a few years ago, but we we thought about it. We decided to continue the uh, continue to do the podcast, but. That's kind of how it started was 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 an outlet for us to kind of poke and jab at Pete and get all the crazy stories that he's experienced in his lifetime. And certainly some of the old that that podcast is maybe nine years old. Some of those earlier shows with Pete on it are are really worth going back and listening to because he's he's had such an interesting life in the hot rod world. There There isn't much in the car community that he hasn't had his influence on or as actual hands on at some point yeah there's something to be said about that because i'm from uh while i did car restoration and that i spent my life in museums or doing historical conservation and the regular co-host on no driving gloves uh derek moore he's always been into museum work and very accurate conservation and preservation work with Henry Ford and he was curator at the National Corvette Museum and he's curator at the Lane now. He's into that and we've talked a little bit about we really need to start getting these people that are with us now that are going away kind of like we uh, you know you talked about Pete and we've talked about Gurney and you know, I mentioned the thing with Surtees and that. Be able to talk to these people why they can still tell the stories because they're the people that built this hobby, whether it be in racing or whether it be in hot rodding or any, I guess, any aspect of this. They're who built this industry that I built this podcast on. You've built your podcasts on. You know, Adam uses to get away from, you know, the daily grind and Bill uses to get away from the daily grind. Sorry, I'm using their first names, but I'll just yeah. go that way. And, you know, a, a lot of credit to uh, to guys like Adam Kroll and Nate Adams for for trying to document and preserve those stories in the documentary films that they've been creating um, and and really trying to get uh, get those guys while we still have them. Um, uh, available to us so uh, they're, they're doing a good job on that side on the chassis media side well I do enjoy listening to you almost every week I mean I drive three to four thousand miles a month so if wow. I'm not making podcasts in my free time I'm listening to podcasts in my drive time and you know I enjoy the podcasting industry I enjoy getting out here like I say I channel my Dr. Johnny Fever it's great to have you on the show, learn a little bit more about you. Hopefully this wasn't the same interview you've had 4,000 times. No, this has been fun. I appreciate it. Again, I'm going to say Matt DeAndrea, and it'll be a four-hour close and call to action here saying 
car cast with Adam Carolla, Bill Goldberg, or Alex Weaver and Edmonds, just carcast.com or carcastshow.com. Yeah. Get you subscribed and everything there. Bravago, drinkbravago.com for his hard seltzer, which I've had the strawberry and the strawberry something and the vanilla something. And those were really good. I can't wait to get to the cherry. Uh, Shift and Sear with uh, Brad and Aaron Hagar. Really, really funny guys. And it's. <laughs> they are. They're the best. It's kind of like it was with Derek, Will, and I. They kind of bicker back and forth sometimes and harass each other and jab at each other. And Aaron's a really good guy because he has minis. And we know he my does. On uh, he's the <laughs> sweetest guy you'll ever meet. If if anybody's going to the SEMA show, he will be there pretty much all week, and he's got some vehicle there. He seems so quiet and so humble, and so and to, to know the public persona of his dad. I've never met his dad, who's used to be wild and crazy. Brad's great. He's fantastic. Yeah, he's. I've got he's one great. of his watch. I've got one of his watches. It just doesn't fit because I can't figure out the complicated band on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got his watches as well. The the Bond Speed watches and the Bonneville watches. Thank you again, Matt, for being on the show, taking a lot of your time today with me. Maybe we'll have you back. Maybe I'll bump into you at a vintage race, and you'll remember who I am this next time around. Oh, of course. <laughs> and if you, uh, I would love that. With that, as I always say. Get off your ass and go burn some gas. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, John. This show was a part of the No Driving Gloves Network, produced and edited by John Viviani of Magic City Podcast, with voice work by Gary Conger. So until the next time.